0: up everybody. This is Mind Your Money with Misty Helpful, a show that highlights people and stories that will inspire you to get your money right. Now today, if you're listening to this episode on the day that it dropped, it is February 1st, which is officially the first day of Black History Month. And this morning um, I was doing a little exercise. I was on Instagram after I got off my the bike. I did a little Peloton workout this morning and I was looking on Instagram and I saw A post that was just perfect. It was just perfect for what I wanted today's um, episode to be about. And it was a post from Jazz. She's known on Instagram as The Broke Accountant. And we actually already scheduled to have um, a conversation on on a future episode of the podcast. So so look out for that. Um, But essentially her post said, and I will literally just read it. As we enter Black History Month, it's important you do your own research about black history. Last year was a drainer. And I'm still recovering, so I don't have the energy to help educate everyone on my history, especially when we live in a time where there is Google. Instead, I will give you topics to research. Uh, She's currently reading a book highlighting black millionaires after slavery, and she shared a fun fact that said Madam C.J. Walker was not actually the first black millionaire, which is interesting because uh, I've always heard that she was. Um, But anyway, so that was just a little bit of her caption under her picture that she posted today this morning and the reason why that captured my attention is because it brought me back to the beginning of June of 2020 when Black Lives Matter movement was just getting started and I wanted to do my own research. And it's so interesting because that was my gut instinct. Like my gut instinct was to just go online and start reading more, learning more, just dive into understanding, you know, the plight that black Americans have faced historically and that con- they continue to face today. And so it's interesting that um, I've seen this a lot, a lot of like a call to action from my black friends and from a lot of the black community members that I've seen on you know, personal finance Instagram space is just to make sure to remind everybody like, hey, we, we don't have the the space the capacity the the time the energy to really educate everybody on what's going on and so this is a call to action to take the time for yourself to really do the research and to do the work and listen there's so many things to learn and talking to you know like one of the things as a Latina that I've done recently is just like trying to learn about my own history asking my mother to tell me about her grandparents and her great-grandparents like I, I felt so sad that I didn't know a lot about my ancestors before like my grandparents and so even just that small um takeaway of like a little homework assignment to dig into your own history and the history of other people because it's so important for us to just continue learning and not to get lazy and think that we can just scroll and learn on Instagram or on whatever other social media like that's just that's not enough so anyway I wanted to take on Jazz's challenge and Take us back to a rebroadcast, an episode that I posted on June 1st, 2020, where I just I had spent the night before just doing a few hours of reading online. And a lot of the information that's shared online is stuff that a lot of people do already know. Uh, You know, a lot of stuff about redlining and the Tulsa, the massacres that happened in Tulsa. And for me, I was like, you know what? I want to learn about something that I didn't know. And that's when I really dug into the story of Friedman's Savings Bank, which I'm so excited to rebroadcast today and share it again. For those of you that didn't catch it before, trust me, this is one of the most popular episodes that I have dropped on my podcast. And it's also on YouTube. And it is really just digging into the story of the very first black bank in the United States or the first bank to serve black Americans in the United States. And the story of the, the rise of the bank, but also the fall of the bank, which is is really uh, what the story is actually about. So um, without me talking too much about it, I'm just going to go ahead and jump in, enjoy the episode and make sure that you take time this month to really celebrate, honor and highlight black stories as much as you can. Thanks, everybody. I wanted to share the story that I found out, um, which basically starts a little bit after um, the Civil War. It's when like the 13th Amendment happened. And by the way, if you guys have not seen 13th on um, Netflix, you have to see it. It is incredible and it's basically about the 13th amendment which is when slavery was abolished and you know this happened in like 1860s right so this is like super early uh you know when Of course, like there was not a lot of the systems that we know of. The way America is now, it was very different back then, obviously, because slavery was still going on and had just been, uh, you know, established in the law as being not legal. Right. So uh, you got all these people, uh, black Americans who were enslaved. And then one day to the next, it was like, okay, now you're freed black people, supposedly. I mean, a lot of them were not technically free, but you know, the law said that, right? So now the immediate things you would think people who were just freed from slavery, what are the things that they're going to need? Well, they're going to need food. They're going to need clothes. They're going to need shelter. They're going to need medicine, right? The basics, like things that we need for survival. Okay. Yes. But everybody knew like eventually down the line, they're going to be more needs, like more robust needs. Like we, we're a a society that's a little complex, right? Like we need, we need banks. We need financial services. We need legal services. We need education. We need, you know, they're going to have access to money now because they're free. They're going to be able to go work. And so they're going to need a place to put that money, a safe place to keep that money. So, you know, basically Congress kind of decided like, all right, this is a time where we're going to need to create a social service to support all of these black people who were uh, formerly enslaved and need a place to, you know, learn about financial education and place to literally put their money and keep it safe. So they created this uh, bureau and the, the government, Congress literally created something called Freedmen's Bureau, literally freed man, like men who were freed. And so Freedmen's Bureau basically offered social services to black people and, you know, they put this, the the first thing that this bureau put in place was a bank, bank, a bank called Freedmen's Savings Bank. So this, again, 1865, right? This is the year that the bank was created. So now I, when I was reading about this, I'm like, wait, how, I mean, if you open a bank and you just have all these people who were literally just enslaved, so they ain't got no money, like, what are they going to need a bank for, right? Like, that was my, my initial reaction. But that that is wrong because I had no idea the amount of people who were enslaved that were actually in the army. Like, if you don't know this stuff, I, I don't blame you. I didn't know any of this stuff because I didn't learn this stuff in school. A lot of times, public school curriculum does not include things like this. And so personally me, I went to public schools my whole life. I went to Brown University and I took a class on uh, African-American education in the U.S. But I never actually really learned about slaves that actually were in the army fighting during the Civil War, like all of these specific things. Like I'm sure I was aware of it, but I just didn't know the numbers, the masses. Right. And so this large number of you know, formerly enslaved people who were in the army. All of a sudden, the civil war is over. And they are now like sent home as free people. They got paychecks from their service in the army. And they're like, OK, what are we going to do with all this money? This is the first time that they have money. They, obviously, they're going to need a place to put it. And so they're like, all right, we're going to go to this bank that was specifically created for black people who were for, just freed. And it was also providing basic financial education. It wasn't just like, oh, put your money here and give us money and we're gonna give you services. It were also teaching, you know, um, blacks the, the the things that they needed, the basics of financial education, so that they understood how to use the bank. Because if you never have money, all of a sudden you got money and you go into a bank, that doesn't mean you're gonna know exactly what to do. I mean, I go to schools all the time and I talk to kids and you know, young um kids, preteens, middle school, high schools, and a lot of times these kids will literally raise their hand and be like, Miss, how do you put money into a bank account? And like, when you're trying to get the money out of the bank, how do you get the money outside of the bank? Do you have to go in there every time you need to get your money out? Like, they if you don't know, you don't know. And so these people literally had no conception or knowledge of how banks work, or how financial institutions work. So, okay, so Friedman Savings Bank is like there to teach them that and also to help them literally save their money. And so now it's like, all right, cool. We, we go here and we learn. Everything is going well. They're, they're learning. They are saving money. And again, I, I'm talking about like a lot of people like I don't know. I mean, I don't know the specific numbers and I'm, I sh- I could have looked it up. I should have looked it up. And I, I feel like I, I'm missing this information here to talk about how, exactly how many people, uh, you know, came back as uh, free people after the war. But the point is millions of dollars were put into Freedman Savings Bank, millions of dollars from tens of thousands of people. So, of course, seeing millions of dollars coming in, the bank got hyped. The bank got Overhyped because they seeing all this money, ching 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 ching. They just see dollar signs, right? So now they're spreading this money out. They like, oh, let's open a location in Washington D.C., right, the nation capital. Are oh, we gonna go and put buildings, banks everywhere, physical banks, so that we can have more customers, right? We're gonna have black people from everywhere that are now free are gonna start using these services, right? But just like banks today being a hot ass mess. They, there was a lot of mismanagement of the money. Now, there's a lot of different things out there about what exactly happened. But the, the, the point is, is it was mismanaged, okay? just Some things never changed. These banks are a hot mess. They can't get enough of the money. They're so greedy. They want more and more and more. And we're talking about back, again, I want to remind you guys, this is the 1870s now at this point, right? Because 1865 is when the bank opened. You know, now five years, six years later, people are putting money and everything's going well. All of a sudden- you got an economic downturn in the 1870s. There was like, I don't remember specifically the years 1872, 1873, 1874. One of those early years in the 1870s, there was a panic, like a um, basically like what happened in 08, what happened right now because of coronavirus. It wasn't health-related, but there was an economic downturn, just like now. Like these things happen. It's the economic cycle. There's good times, there's a you know, a bull market, and then there's bad times, there's a bear market. And so in the early 1870s, there, it was basically a panic. Okay. The money was tight. The, na- the national economy was hot as mess. Okay. So basically it was just like, all right, so now we got these people at the top, who are corrupt, you know, and, and this was, there was no FDIC. So we got people putting money in a bank, black people who were just freed, putting their money into a bank, being told that they're going to be taught financial education, that they're going to be protected. This is a social service that's there to help them and to, you know, develop them. And now people are being a hot mess. Money is being mismanaged and it's just so sad. Like you, you think about how the story ends. I mean. I'm not gonna jump too fast forward too fast, but like basically because there's no FDIC insurance, you, you that's the hint, right? You kind of know where the story's going. You you get the point. There was no protection. So, you know, they they are basically realizing that the bank is in hot water, they're about to like be bankrupt, literally don't have they're they're making terrible decisions with money, they don't have enough capital to keep the, the banks open, that they have opened too many locations way too fast. They put thinking that they're, you know balling out of control because money's coming and then and then they found themselves really in a position where they clearly were uh, above their budget and so now they're like tight and they're freaking out because they're like oh man we we're in a recession right now or you know an economic downturn or whatever you want to call it and so now people are probably freaking out we can't have all these black people who just put all this money in this bank take it out because they're getting panicked so what we need to do is we need to do something quick to get them to trust us and keep their money in the bank with us. So what do they do? <clears throat> they go and they hire Frederick Douglass to be the president of Freedman Savings Bank. Because if Black people see one of their own at the top, maybe they will trust the bank, right? This is so manipulative and. You know, I I don't know, like, a ton about this period of time. But from what I'm reading, from what I've learned, it's just like so manipulative to get somebody like Frederick Douglass, who clearly was very well respected at that time by other black people, and to put him in a position of leadership, hype him up to make him have all this hope in the future of this bank that he's about to run. He can, you know, change the bank's future. He can, you know, change the game and and make it, you know, good things happen. But no, they knew, they knew they were messing up in the back end with everything going on with the bank. They knew that bank was going to go down. And so it's just so sad. And basically... Long story short, what this led to was 61,100 people, over, more than that, but that's the rough estimate, right? 61,100 people completely lost their money. And these are not just quote-unquote people, like in general. We're talking about black people who were formerly enslaved. So we're talking about black Americans, 61,100 of them, put their money in an institution, a financial institution, created by Congress, American Congress, okay, and $3 million worth of their money was gone. Now, in 2020, that $3 million would be worth $64,097,250 because, yes, you better believe I went and I checked online with an inflation calculator because I'm that nerdy, yes, okay, and I wanted to know exactly how much would $3 million from 1873 be in 2020, $64,097,250. And that is just inflation. That does not even count the interest that might have accrued on the savings. Because when you put your money in a bank, in a savings account, you know you get interest on that money. You get a little return. I mean, it's not a lot, but something is something. And when it compounds and compounds and compounds over hundreds of years, okay, it's a lot of money. And so we're talking about so much money stolen from black people and literally just wiping them clean. And and they waited years and years and years, waited and waited to see if they would get something back from the bank. And a small piece of what was owed to them was paid back. Now, I have not seen specific numbers in what I have read so far, but it doesn't matter. Like, you had them waiting years, and then you only give them a fraction of what was lost. Like, honestly, too little, too late. They should have had their money literally the day that the bank shut down. They should have had something. So... This is just, to me, it was just like, I have. I never knew this story of Freedman Savings Bank. And if you knew this already, amazing. I'm so happy that you knew this. I learned this recently, which is why I wanted to share it. And if you think other people that you know don't know this, please share this with them because what this is, it is so important because this is an example of how early, 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 we're talking about back in the 1860s, 1870s, when... You know, these things happened. It's basically proving and showing signs of how the American government, the systems that we have created since day one, since early, okay, have put black people in a position where they are behind in a race that they didn't even know they were running in. And it's just so unfair. Now, you guys... I, did, I did definitely did not do this story justice. Like, there's so many details, there's so much more information. So, I'm gonna link like a few different resources in the show notes for this episode because I definitely encourage you guys to go read more about uh, Freedman Savings Bank and everything that happened during this time. But, you know, ba- basically, I just wanna fast forward to today, right? Because we got this wealth gap in the US 10X, okay? We got black families with an average net worth of $17,150. Okay, and then white families with an average net worth of $171,000, basically about 10, 10 times more, okay, for a white family's average net worth compared to a black family. That's from like 2017, okay? But that's like the most recent data that I found. Black people been out here, been out here trying to build wealth, actively trying to build wealth for hundreds of years. You know, and I'm talking about 1876. Fast forward a little bit to 1921. You got Black Wall Street destroyed completely in Tulsa. I think it was Green Greenville or Greenwood, Greenwood District. Okay, something else that if you're not familiar with, you got to read about that. And then later on, you got Jim Crow laws, which literally did not allow black people to have wealth building opportunities, especially in the South. Okay, If you don't know about redlining, you don't know what I'm talking about with this, you, oh my God, turn this podcast off. Literally right now, you have my permission to cut me off. Stop listening to this and go right now and read ta Coates. He has an incredible, phenomenal, I mean, life change. It will literally make you cry. It is an incredible piece written in The Atlantic. It's called The Case for Reparations. And it focuses on redlining practices in America, which literally did not allow Black people to get a mortgage to get properties in this country. They could—they couldn't get a house. Like, imagine you go to a bank right now, and you ask them to get to sit down and talk to you about a mortgage, and they say you cannot get a mortgage because of the color of your skin. That is literally what was happening, okay? And this was when slavery was already not legal. Okay, they we're talking about Jim Crow era, so we're not talking about no 1860s, 1870s. We're talking about this was just a few decades ago, like generations of people that are alive today, the older generations, they were alive during this time, okay, so this is talking about recent history, and there's a man highlighted in that article, Clyde Ross, I think his name is, and he was trying to get a mortgage very early on, couldn't get it because he was black, most black people were just not allowed to get houses, to not own, to, they were not allowed to own property, okay, because they were black, so all of this to say, like, Basically, from all of these examples, I mean, there's so many more examples, but these are just basic ones that I'm listing here to show that wealth, time and time and time and time again in the US, wealth has been taken from Black people before it even got a chance to grow into anything substantial and anything real. And, you know, it's not like, and I hate when I hear people say, oh, it's not like that anymore. That's the past. Why are you focusing on that? That's that happened already. Like this is the present time 2020. Like, let me tell you something. The past is, is our history. And this history matters for today's conversation about inequality, what's happening in America today, because the impact of that stuff, the negative side effects from that were passed down from generation to generation to generation. And I'm not talking about like the mentality. I'm talking about physical assets that, like, are passed down, properties, bank accounts, investment funds, inheritances. Okay, being passed down. White families have been passing it down from generation to generation, to generation, and the same counterparts. Right, the black grand, great, 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 great grandparents in, in that back in that time had no properties, no bank accounts, no investment funds, no inheritances, nothing to pass down. So they got nothing. To pass down from to the, to the next generation while they're competing with white people that were able to get properties, to get those mortgages, to create those investment accounts, to put money in a savings account and have it be there when you come back for it. Like basic things that people do with money today and take for granted. So this, this matters today. This matters. And for me, why it matters so much more is because I'm always talking about the wealth gap. Like there's a wealth inequality wealth gap. Not so much the income gap. I'm not talking about the income gap. No, because the income gap is not focused on wealth. It's focused on your paychecks that you get from your job, income that families make. And this is way beyond income. You guys, this is about wealth. When you have wealth, we're talking about like income is nothing. It's not even a big deal. If you lose your income when you have wealth, it's like, it's like an annoyance. It's like, if I try to go walk to a restaurant in my neighborhood and they're closed, I'm like, oh, I mean, coronavirus right now, but like, whatever. If I go on Seamless and I try to order some food and it says the restaurant is not open right now, I'm like, oh gosh, that's so annoying. All right, well, I can order again tomorrow. That's what it's like for wealthy people who have wealth to not be able to have income anymore, to like lose their source of income from their job. They're like, oh, what a oh, an inconvenience, okay? Because wealth is a safety net. Wealth is like inheriting a freaking house or building in a safe neighborhood from your grandparents who passed it to your parents who now gave it to you. So you got access to the good schools in that neighborhood. You got access to that beautiful property that you didn't have to do anything for. It was just given, given to you, you inherited it. And now you get to pass that property down to your kids because your parents gave it to you. Now you get to give it to your kids and your kids will give it to their kids. And oh, that's so beautiful. Wealth makes that, that, that's wealth. Wealth is what's happening right there. And the difference between wealth and income that is even more important than anything that I've said is that wealth generates returns. Income does not, okay? Wealth is literally sitting in stocks, bonds, real estate, okay? These houses, these buildings, and that has capital gains, That means that all these things that are being inherited have been sitting for years and for generations growing. And that growth, that capital gains that that grows on it, on those investments, is not taxed at the same rate as the income, okay, that we earn when we go work a regular, regular job, right? So we go to work, we get our paycheck, our paychecks are taxed at much higher rates. The income taxes that we pay, are so much higher than wealth tax. So I, it, it's like I can't talk enough about how this matters so much today. It matters. It's so much. It's so part of the conversation, which is why I went digging a little bit, because I wanted to find out more information. And I hope this is interesting to you guys, too. Because it should be. It should be something that you really care about. Because it, it's, it matters to everybody that we understand what is happening in our country. Why? Why is it possible that in 2020, a black family's average net worth is ten times less than a white family's average net worth. It, like how we have to be doing the work to find out what is going on in the country. Okay, and so I don't want to end this episode with like, a, oh, look at all these problems in our country. It's so complicated now. Go be depressed. Like, it, yes, this it, it, is 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 difficult stuff to hear. It's difficult to learn about it. It's it's hard to, you know, like to ingest this. Like it hurts, and it's it's like, what do I do? Like. What's going to happen next to fix this? There's so much wrong. What, what can happen? And, and I I don't know. I'm not a, an economist. I'm not an expert in a lot of different things. But I think just basically from what I've shared today, I think a basic small offering is that income from inheritance, from wealth, and from these kinds of things like passed on for generation to generation – it needs to be more equitable compared to what you're taxing income, especially because more people who don't have access to wealth are being taxed on income and and literally don't get capital gains. So they don't they don't even have the opportunity to get capital gains taxed like they're not they don't have access to that. Whatever's happening uh, when you get capital gains and it's, it's getting taxed it needs to be changed. It needs to be improved. It needs to be updated, renovated for 2020. Like, you know, and even taxes on wealth could be like part of the solution. I think like if you have a bunch of money sitting somewhere it need like these things are not new ideas. OK, people have been talking about this stuff. It's all out there already. You know, a lot of the political candidates recently have been saying this kind of stuff. But what, what, what I don't think is actually happening is that people are not actually taking it seriously, you know, and that's the frustrating thing. So, you know if you have you know a lot of st- like stuff in an estate, taxes on an estate or on an inheritance that could really that could really change the opportunities that people have like it can really 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 change things, especially if the money that you were getting from the taxes w- were used for programs that could give other people better chances at economic success. I mean, redistribution of wealth. I mean, whatever. These are obviously very progressive ideas. Okay. And y'all who know me, if you've been listening to myself, if you watch my content, you know that I'm a progressive person, but I really do think like, if you understand the history, if you understand where we're coming from, then you're going to have a better view of where the country needs to go to try to rectify some of the things that have happened in our history that we should not be very proud of. And Obviously, the actual people living today were not here at that time and don't have anything to do with those things, but we're here now, and we just have to do what we can with what we have now so, I don't know. I hope that this episode was intriguing to you. I hope you learned something new. I'm going to link everything that i um talked about that that I've read, where I got this information from the tanallahe Coates article and Everything else that I've been posting on Instagram, if you follow me on Instagram, um, related to, uh, you know, uh, anti-racist, uh, concepts, principles, and beliefs and ideas, I am going to post all of those things in the box, in the, what do you call it? I was going to say description box because <laughs> I'm a YouTuber, but in the show notes for this episode, um. But that's it, you guys. I just want to share those things with you and hope that it resonates with you the way that it resonated with me. I definitely have a new perspective on some of the political beliefs that I've held. And, um, you know, and I think it's important for us to to really understand, um, you know, why our country is where it is today and why all these issues are continuing to come up again and again and again, because these are not the first um, protests about police brutality and uh, racial inequality in this country. So when is something actually going to change, right? We have to um, we have to do something different if we want a different result. The definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result, okay? I'm sure you've seen that quote somewhere. And, it, and, and we need to do something different. So I'm doing something different with the podcast, and I hope that you guys liked it. I hope it was something informative. Um, I do have a quick ask for you guys this week. I have been posting every single week, which has been amazing. It's been so fun connecting with the women that I've connected with so far. And I promise you guys, a lot of the guys out there, fellas that are listening, y'all like, yo, what up? Where the men at? I promise I got some of my brothers coming on the show soon, but right now it's just been strictly girls. And it's just been so fun to talk to these ladies about um, their stories. Um, But we've been doing all this work, putting these stories out here. And I haven't reminded you guys since the intro episode, I have not brought it up again. That rating the show and leaving a review is so hugely helpful because, again, it helps to put the show on the radar of people that are listening. So if you're new and you're on Spotify or podcast app and you're going through and you're looking for content, like it's not going to pop up for you if if it doesn't have really good ratings. Okay, so every possible review every possible rating that pops up that can come in is so 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 helpful so please take a second if you have not already in itunes um if you have an iphone go and, and just leave a quick review and let people know why you've been tuning in what you think of the show and um, and give it some stars five stars preferably, but you know however many stars you want to give it okay and, and and that is just something that I really really appreciate on YouTube it's the same thing I always ask people to give videos a thumbs up and to subscribe because those are the types of things that really do matter in terms of helping the videos get suggested to other people so same thing with podcasts okay you guys this really helps me out and um, yeah I think it just it's also really good for people to, to when they go do find it and they go and look at the reviews to see those comments and be like, "Oh, okay, maybe I should check it out." Like if you're on the fence and you're like, "Should I listen or not?" Your review could be the make or break. It could really help somebody make the decision to give it a listen. So, I really do appreciate it. Um but that is all that I have for you guys this week. Please be safe out there. Please do this work, you guys. Don't if you're uncomfortable about these conversations and everything that's happening in the social media and in the news and in our literally in our physical uh cities and towns and spaces right now, like challenge that. Okay. Lean into that discomfort and learn more and try to be better. I think that is just all that we can do. Um, you know, in the time that, that we're experiencing right now with the health crisis and with, uh, all of the racial, uh, tension happening and all of the, uh, demand for, for better, um, you know, for a better country. So I think, you know, do what you can. I'm trying to do what I can. Thank you so much for listening. And, uh, hopefully you'll come back next week for a new episode on Monday.